0: Hi, friend. Welcome to North City Church's podcast. We're a community that loves our neighbors in the way of Jesus. and We hope that this message or teaching empowers you to do just that in your everyday life. If you want to learn more about the ways our community is trying to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. Okay. I think we'll get started. <laughs> um, yeah, hi, I'm Kara. For those of you who don't know, but I think everyone here knows who I am. Um, I am going to put my phone on airplane mode so I don't get distracted easily if I can do that. Oh gosh, I just got this new phone this last week and I don't do it to show off. I do it because like, you know you're old when you have to like reteach yourself technology. You know, and it's not just, like, natural. And that's definitely what I've been going through. Um, One of the biggest changes for me, um, I think, was going from, like, a normal home button, you know, with your fingerprint technology kind of thing, to um, it recognizing your face, you know? And uh, I remember, like, the first morning, I I rolled over to turn on my phone, and I, I look at it, and it, like was like, I don't recognize you, put your code in. And I was like, rude, but also like, I don't recognize, recognize myself in the morning either, so don't blame it, you know? Um, well, I'm not figuring this out, that's fine. We'll just, don't text me if you're in here. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna set a little timer, otherwise I'll just ramble. Isn't that how it goes? Um, yeah, so welcome. We are starting a new series in our little Jesus story kind of fun time, um, called Why Church? And I, I birthed this creative idea in our staff meeting. So a little props to myself. Um, but I just, you know, as we were thinking about messages and things that are important for our community to hear and to think about and talk about, um, I thought it was important for us to, like, pause and remember why are we doing what we do, you know? Especially going through a pandemic, and having to be, like, online and then, like, you know, our church has been through a lot of shifts and a lot of transition. And we've landed on this dinner church concept. And, you know, why why do we do what we do? What makes this more special than just having neighbors over in a night or having dinner with yourself? <laughs> you know, uh, like, you can... You can get any sermon anywhere online these days. You can also, like, YouTube a set of worship songs and be, like, cool in your room. So what is the, what is the point of it all? And we're hoping uh, over these next weeks to kind of, like, dig more into that and to bring some clarity into why do we do what we do and to remind ourselves the importance. Um, yeah. And so for today's story, though, um, the thing that kind of made me laugh is I... I, like, picked this, but I also kind of didn't pick it. Um, that doesn't really make sense, but I picked it, and I read it, and I got to the end of it, and I was like, gosh, Jesus was really mad. And, like, that wasn't, that wasn't my <laughs> intent when I picked the story. I didn't think, oh, let's go pick the angry ones. Um, but I literally, like, I can't think of any other story in the Bible. Like, the, the classic table-flipping experience is the, the Jesus anger story, Right. Like, that's what I always hear. Like, oh, there's Jesus angry. It's flipping the tables. Um, but this passage is kind of, oh, it, it struck me. Um, and so we're going to be reading from Luke 11, 37 through 53. Again, that's Luke 11, 37 through 53. And the context of this story, where we're entering in. Um, there we are. Um, so Jesus... He was out in the public with the people, and he had just healed someone from, like, an evil spirit. The person was mute, um, and they had, like, an evil spirit keeping them from speaking. So he healed them. And then, of course, people are like, oh, my goodness, this guy healed someone. And so then he starts teaching, and then more people gather. And he keeps on teaching, and more people gather. And at the end of it, a Pharisee um, says, hey, Jesus, come to dinner to my house and enter scene of Jesus' dinner. So I'm going to read it for you. Again, that's Luke eleven thirty-seven 37 through 53. Bear with me. After Jesus finished saying these things, a Pharisee asked him to come for a meal at his home. Just like I said. Uh, when everyone had been seated at the table, the religious leader noticed that Jesus had not performed the cleansing ritual before he began eating. He was shocked. Okay, pause for a second because... Uh, I feel like, shout out to all the moms who try to, like, get their kids to wash their hands, right? Yeah. And so I'm, like, not surprised that the Pharisee is upset about this. I'm like, well, yeah, you got to wash your hands before you eat Jesus. Like, what is, what is up with this? Um, anyway, resume. Um, the Lord said, you Pharisees, so Jesus said, you Pharisees are like those who will wipe clean only the outside of the cup or bowl, leaving the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and wickedness within you. Shouldn't the one who cleans the outside also clean the inside? If you free your heart of greed, show compassion and true generosity to the poor, you will have more than clean hands. You will be clean within. You Pharisees are hypocrites, for you are obsessed with peripheral issues, like paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herbs that grow in your gardens. Of course these matters, are. of course these matters you should do, But when you unjustly cheat others, you ignore the most important duty of all, to walk in the love of God. Readjust your values and place first things first. You Pharisees are hypocrites. You love to be honored before others with titles of respect, seeking public recognition, aspiring to seem more important than others. You Pharisees are hypocrites. Your true character is hidden like an unmarked grave that hides the corruption inside, defiling all who come in contact with you. Just then, a specialist in interpreting religious law blurted it out, "'Teacher, don't you realize that your words insult us?' Jesus responded, "'You are also hypocrites, you experts of the law. "'You crush people beneath the burden "'of obeying impossible religious regulations.'" Yet you would never even think of doing them yourselves. What hypocrites! You build monuments to honor the prophets of old, yet it was your murdering ancestors who killed them. The only prophet you'll honor is a dead one. In fact, by erecting monuments to the prophets your ancestors killed, you demonstrate your agreement with those murderers and bear witness to their deeds. You're no better than they. That is why God's wisdom is proclaiming, I will send to them apostles and prophets, though some they will murder and others they will persecute. God will hold this generation accountable for every drop of blood of every murdered prophet shed from the beginning of time until now, from the blood of Abel, who was killed by his brother, to the blood of Zechariah, who was murdered in the middle of the temple court. Yes, I tell you, you will be responsible for it all. You are nothing but hypocrites, you experts of religion. You take away from others the key that opens the door to the house of knowledge. Not only do you lock the door and refuse to enter, but you also do your best to keep others from the truth. All that Jesus said enraged the religious leaders and experts of the law, and they began to oppose him furiously. They harassed Jesus all the way out the door, spewing out their hostility, arguing over everything he said, wanting nothing more than to find a reason to entrap him with his own words. The end. So holy smokes, you know? (laughs) All it took was uh, some Pharisee being like, you didn't wash your hands. And then all of a sudden Jesus is like, bam, you hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. And then like this whole prophets with the blood and everything, like, Wow, it's some pretty like intense heavy stuff and I just was not prepared for that when I <laughs> picked this text. I uh <laughs> yeah. Um so let's see here my little notes. Um Yeah, so but the other thing that I thought when I when I first read this text was, you know, I can't believe we've been struggling for the same thing for centuries. You know, like I think about conversations I have with people my own age um, about why they don't go to church and um, a lot of times they're like well it's because you know they like say one thing but then do another you know and that's exactly what Jesus is saying to these experts of the law to these Pharisees you know and so I'm kind of like wow you know like I feel like we can relate to this, but also I'm like, wow, it's been a really long time and we're still cycling through this problem. Like, what's going on? Crazy how things don't really change. Um, I also, yeah, I find it interesting that Jesus really lays it on to them. Like, but also it makes me ask the question, like, why? Why did Jesus get so angry? And I think one piece that speaks truth of that would probably be their position. These are the, supposed to be the people who get it, you know? They're supposed to be the ones pointing people to the truth, um, but ba- Jesus is basically saying, you're missing the whole point. Um, yeah, so Jesus is mad in this moment, and I think it, it shows that he obviously really cares. He cares about authenticity. And I love the analogy of the cup or the dish, how it's clean on the outside but dirty on the inside. I love that imagery and that analogy. Um, it also kind of makes me wonder if he had a dirty cup right in front of him, you know, like <laughs> he gets he gets called out for the hand washing, and then he like looks sounds like, "Well, you're dirty, like a cup, you know, on the inside." And uh <laughs> but the more I thought about the analogy, the more I thought about like. I don't know you're gonna have to roll with me here my creative little thought process here but dirty cup moments okay um like i had a picture of we have like these wine glasses up on a shelf in our kitchen area that don't get touched often because we don't usually go up there we have like our cups in the the cupboard you know and so i like kind of dust them sometimes but i'm thinking secretly in the back of my head like I hope we clean them better when the guests come because they'll probably pick it down and find a little dust bunny inside of it. You know, like, ah, you know, like, not great. Uh, surprise. So it just made me think, like, in the context of the Dirty Cub situation, boop, um, are you waiting for special moments to be your true self? Are you being only present when it's the right time? Another dirty cut moment would be, um, <laughs> we, who wears dishwashers? Anyone? Yep, yep. Um, we like to think they work every time, but they don't, you know. And there's always that one dish who got rejected, and uh, it just, yeah, it makes me think of that. Like, it makes me think of the analogy of like, what, um, what, it, what fails you? Like, are you on autopilot in certain areas of your life and authenticity? Are you relying on someone else or a system to sustain you? Do you need to take some personal responsibility in your life around authenticity? And then the last dirty cup moment that I thought of um, is uh, going to a restaurant. And you're sitting down. You have like, oh, you're in a nice fancy place. And someone's going to make you food. And it's great. And then you pick up your cup. And you're like, there's a lipstick mark on here. I'm not wearing any lipstick you oh my gosh ah the horror the horror and the analogy for that is like um have you had an experience somewhere that has tainted your perspective and ability to be present to be fully who you are so i want to be clear though about this story um this isn't a story about being clean, okay? What I mean is like, Jesus talked about the cup and the dish cleanliness, but it wasn't about, why didn't you clean the whole cup? He was like, you didn't, uh, he wasn't like, you didn't stay clean, I can't believe it. It was about, why did you just do the outside? Why are you hiding the inside? Why are you pretending to be fully clean? Because let's be clear, it's impossible to be fully clean. (laughs) in my opinion, because life is messy, you know? Um, In my own story, I mean, there's seasons where I ebb and flow in authenticity. Like, that's natural, don't we all? Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's just more convenient to put on a face. Sometimes you just, you feel like you don't have time to like be your true self. And um, yeah, I could tell a lot about my story with that, but we don't have time for that today. Um, but I will say uh, my unique, like, late 20s experience, I went to California for a couple years to, like, kind of find myself and find my faith a little bit more. I'd kind of given up on church a bit. And um, I found myself, yeah, in this weird. It's not weird. It's just different. Minnesota, different um, experience, a more charismatic environment. Um, but I also, like, no one knew who I was which wasn't a common thing because my family is like a lineage of pastors in the Baptist General Conference, and almost anywhere I go in Minnesota, they're like, oh, are you a doden? Hmm? And do you know Timothy? Do you know, you know? And So I, I went there, and I'm like, no one knows who I am. <gasps> and we were there was a, a moment in worship where I was just like hit with like my in, inside world and like what God was doing and I, I just started crying and that was so significant because I had never cried in church before. Like I had this pressure being a pastor's kid, you know, what you do reflects what your dad does, you know, and being in a mega church of perfection and performance you know, and then also being worried about all these other people, like, I don't know, you just, I'm like, what are they going to think of me, but I was here, like, no face, no name, and no one knows my story, and I was able to fully be myself in that moment, and it was it was freaking beautiful, it was, like, such a freeing experience, and it was also in a charismatic environment, so part of me, too, was like, well, I can just, like, lose Lose my stuff here. And uh they're all doing crazier stuff anyway, so no one's gonna <laughs> no one's gonna know the wiser, you know. So that was kind of you know, it was liber, but it was a profound moment. I was like, I should be doing this all the time, you know? Like, I shouldn't just leave this in California. I I have to keep on doing this. Like, yeah. So back to my little notes. I went a little sideways there. Mm-hmm. You like the sideways? Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I have found the moments in my faith of most significance aren't when I'm following the rules, aren't when my life is all clean and cozy. They aren't when things are all put together, and I've heard the most inspiring sermon or the most amazing worship song. I mean, I'm not dissing those things. Those are very profound moments, too, and you learn a lot of things, but the most significant moments... Are in moments of my brokenness, in moments of my own dirt, where I stop and I'm honest. Because God meets me there. God meets me there. And God meets you there. So, why are we trying so hard to appear clean? Is it the fear of what others may think of us? The fear that we may lose some sort of status? The fear that we may be misunderstood or, or not accepted. I think the Jesus story here today is a challenge that we need to be a church of authenticity. First, for our relationship with Jesus, but then for ourselves, and then for others. To be people living and loving in the ways of Jesus. You don't really need to know entirely who you are. I think there's like this, this idea that we have to know exactly who we are and our identity and all those pieces. Like, we're always learning that. We're always growing and learning in that. But as long as you know whose you are, that's, that's where the truth line is. So please don't just clean the outside of your bowl, especially for me. <laughs> please don't. Come dirty. Come just as you are. We need to be a church, of people who tell others, you don't need to be anything to come to the table. You just need to come. Because God didn't come to earth to see our best show. He didn't come to see our best playing of church. He came in the middle of our rules and ways to get close to God. He came to redirect our focus to what really matters. He came to expedite our traveling life experience of knowing the living and loving God. God came for our hearts. God came so that we would know that we are specifically chosen, that you are specifically chosen, all of you, and that you're loved. So stop trying to be someone you're not. Be who God made you to be. And if you don't know what that is, start asking Him. Ask him every day, in the mirror, in the car. God, show me who you made me to be. Remind me of your truths. And even ask others uh, you trust, who you feel know his voice. This is why we are doing Dinner Church, because this isn't a service, okay? It's relationship. It's messy. It's meeting people in their practical needs, getting to know the real you, and growing together as we pursue all who God is. So show up in your life. Don't sit on the shelf for special occasions. Don't leave it to someone else to make you how you should be. Don't let others or other experiences deter you from experiencing the life that is in God, in Christ, and love. It's important that we do these things to be, to do church to remind each other of these truths, to call out the gold in each other, to remind others where we each have come from, to remind each other God loves you there too, to show others there was more than just cleaning the outside of your cup.